welcome to Solutions from the Yard, a candid discussion about life behind bars and its effect on society. We'll discuss reintegration or re-entry back into the community post-incarceration. Your host for this episode is Charles Hopkins. Welcome to this episode of Solutions from the Yard. I'm Charles Hopkins. Each year, over one million youth will have some involvement with law enforcement or the justice system. Nearly 400,000 will be on their own and homeless for some period of time. Although the data on the overlap between these populations is limited, we know that this is significant. A recent study interviewed runaway and homeless youth in 11 United States, 11 United States cities, and found that nearly 44% has stayed in jail, prison, or juvenile detention center. Nearly 78% had at least one interaction with the police. And nearly 62% had been arrested at some point in their lives. In, in some cases, this involvement may be due to lack of shelter or other necessities, such as when a young person is arrested for truancy after missing school due to lack of stable housing or theft for stealing food and money to buy food due to hunger. In other cases, youth who are arrested and released either through a diversion program or after serving time in a juvenile detention facility may become homeless because families are unwilling to let the youth people return to due to family discord or because of restrictions imposed by the landlord or public housing. Today's topic is our children and the home and homelessness crisis. Mike, what is, what do you? How do you define homelessness? And if you want, if you can uh, elaborate on some of the statistics I just ran down, as from your either personal experience or from uh, your knowledge. Uh, all right. Well, you know, for my analysis of what homelessness is, is is when you don't have no fixed address. Uh, when you don't have an address where though you are listed as paying bills, um, you know, like the water bill, mm-hmm. phone bill, you have or you paying mortgage, that's considered homeless. Right. So you can be an individual that just came home from prison, but if you're not paying none of the bills in that household, you really consider homeless because your 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 no name is not on no type of bill. That's right. So you know that's that's the definition. You know that what I wouldn't say the government considers homeless. <laughs> um, you know, but uh, we also know that homeless is when um you know when you you out in the street. Yeah, that's what they list as chronic homelessness. Mm-hmm. You know when you out in the street and you just you know you just living out and about and don't have no fixed address, just moving around from place to place. Okay, and Dietrich. Um from your experience, I know that you've done you've done I dealt a lot with the juvenile and the youth. And and because we're talking about young people and being homeless and the correlation between young people, homelessness, and then ultimately imprisonment. So they might start out in a foster home, then they go to Boys Village, then they go from Boys Village to some other village, from that village to some penitentiary, from that penitentiary to another. But from your own personal experience, What's the relationship from between homelessness and juvenile delinquency? Uh, great question. 
Great question. So my, my, my comparison of the two is once, as a juvenile, once you have a touch of the judicial system and you've been detained, right, or you've been placed on any kind of uh, supervision or restrictions, you no longer belong to, you no longer a free man, even as a juvenile. So now you belong to the state. So now you don't have, so you are considered homeless now because, and technically, you belong to us. Hmm. If you think about it, right? That's just in the, just, it just in, 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 in the bigger grand scheme of things. But the displacement comes from when there's a lack of resources pumped into the families of these young men and women that are placed in these juvenile uh, detention facilities all over America, there's no family reunification mm. process or no family restorative process. There's no uh, family strengthening process why these youth are in, in going through such a trauma experience mm. as a juvenile. So when a lot of them, when a lot of our youth uh, return back to society, they it's it's a disconnect. First, because who the first person we normally call? I know we we call is our mother, and we had some of the mothers we seen in our neighborhood. Where she, I'm gonna leave you in there. But that's 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 playing a dangerous game because it could be it could it could grow into a disconnect from the child from the mother, right? And and the fact that he could develop or she could develop this type of disdain towards my family, then when I get home, I don't want her to go back there. That's one example. I don't want to go back there, so I'd rather live at Charles' house on his couch and surf to Darnell's couch when his mother go to mm. work and go through the back door of Mike house was doing school time because I'm tired. I've been walking walking the street all night as a juvenile because I don't want to go back home. That's one example. And one other example is uh, when HUD get involved, when when the landlords and the, and the owners of the property say, hey, you got locked up on this uh, uh, property and your mother's under such and such, This you are no longer allowed back here and you're mm. 16 years old. Where am I going to go at? Yeah, you caught a possession charge selling drugs on this property. But I get out. But you're no longer here, can live here with your mother and you are underage youth. So we're, that's one, that's another example. So, and then you have the example of the, uh, I can't go back around my neighborhood after I, I repeat because I have beef in this neighborhood as example of a juvenile and there's nothing being done towards that. We just letting the youth go back out. We open, They open the doors up and say, go back to your neighborhood and go catch more charges to you old enough so we could put the key and shove it down your throat that you will be fighting to get out of jail. Mm -hmm. How do you do something? So there's so many examples where homeless is connected to juvenile uh, justice. It's, it, it goes it's go parallel to one another because it's 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 actually the training grounds 
for becoming homeless, mm. for com- for those to experience some type of homeless or disconnect to uh, living a stable life. Mm. Very, very well put. The mother telling them the state to take care of the child because the mother can't handle the child. Donnell, now in your experience, and and uh, you deal with uh, homeless uh, youth, and you deal with uh, youth that are have mental illnesses. Uh, talk about some of the things that that you learned from in live, working in that environment about homelessness and the relationship between homelessness and, and juvenile delinquency, young people being homeless and acting out. Uh, well, I think, uh, like I said, most of them be stressing the fact that their situation and their problems, which which leads them to the to the the homeless shelter or the mental health or institution that they're in comes from their parents. That's what a lot of them be saying, you know? So I'm like, how can your parents lead you to to a, a, a deep situation in your life such as this at, at such a young age, you know? Oh, my mother, my mother took me through these changes, my mother did this and all that, right? But okay, but now you, you, you're you a grown woman now, right? You know, you can't keep being in your phone. You got to come get out of that, 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 that state of mind that you're in. They keep saying that, you know, that's over with now. You're not living with your mother now. You got a roof over your head, whereas all the people getting, you, getting your benefits for you and trying to get put you in the right avenue to get you get you a, a place to stay and get you probably with a job or not. So you got to keep your focus, your thoughts focused on that. But, you know, like I say, it's a problem within our society, whereas though, you know, the kids we get, 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 get homelessness, you know, because they be having problems with their parents. You're not wanting to be by their rules and things of that nature. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, stuff like that can lead to them being, being homelessness. Take us in here. How did we get to to a point in society where children are homeless? And we're talking about four-year-olds through 21-year-olds. And Donnell just said that uh, from his experience and the people that he talked to that's in the Bible, say it's the parent. And you're a parent, you're a parent, and you're a new parent. How did we get to a point where we blame that the parents become the reason why a child ain't got a roof over their head? Um, well, you know, when you, you know, we, we discussed this once before and, you know, when you go back to slavery and, uh, you know, how we were treated as slaves, Mm -hmm. you know, certain things was done to us psychologically and in order for them to have control of us. So one of the things that was done was, you know, made us be dependent on them. You know, they didn't feed us so when it came to giving us food, they always gave us the scraps of the hog, you know, the intestines, the feet, the ears. And, you know, we call that soul food, <laughs> you know, and but they made us dependent on them. And when you speed it up to this modern day time, you know, we, we dealing with a society that a lot of the uh, youth that's suffering from these problems, their parents are on what's called welfare, the scraps. So when you're going through these type of traumas, like far as like it was mentioned before that, you know, you seeing other children have certain things, you understand what I'm saying? You see certain children living a certain way, but you are on this subsidized housing, low income, welfare, these things start to create a trauma in your life. Mm. They start to cause problems in your life. Mm. 
And once they start, you know, feeding on you mentally, it starts to eat away at you. And then, you know, your your mother, she went through some of the same things. Mm-hmm. You know, the the arguments, the, you know, the fighting, nothing to eat in the refrigerator. You know, then you get into these big arguments and uh, abuse physically and, uh, you know, um, verbally. And then you wind up, you know, either you're forced out into society and you starting to see this more and more and more. I've never seen 21-year-olds and 25-year-olds asking for money at the Safeway or on the corners back in the 90s. You mm-hmm. didn't see it. Now, you might have seen some old, you know, men that couldn't take mm-hmm. care of themselves or women or whatever the case may be. But when you start seeing children at these young ages, teenagers and stuff like that, and they don't even have the will to even try to help themselves, you got to start delving into the mental psychology of why they doing this and why they are so dependent. And see, the narrative that I'm trying to paint is how society create dependency. Mm. And once you start creating dependency, that's all you want. You want to some you want somebody to do something for you. You want somebody to give you a helping hand. And then that starts to become your crutch in life. And mm. then you start to see these young children and young, you know, men and women out here, they they, you know, bumming quarters and stuff like that. And and you be like, you got all this education and all this these um, you know, technology and stuff like that. Why are you just Reducing yourself to access up for something, because mm-hmm. you just became it, being dependent is habitual. Mm. And once you see your parents doing it and going through it, then you start doing it, and then you just create a a a, a way that the poverty pimps can always mm. work on you. Because if you can keep a person in that status of you always bumming, then guess what? We can always create a narrative. To help you out. <laughs> and once we create that narrative to keep constantly helping you out, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it comes per- perpetual. And then you just start doing it over and over and over. And, and a lot of this homelessness that's going on, it's not forced upon you. You just, you give into it willingly. Because you expecting help. You expecting for, uh, you know, for the master to throw you some scraps. Mm. That's what you start expecting. And then that's what you that's what you start to become. And it just being your everyday, you know, life. I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to see if somebody going to do something for me. You know, and, 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 you know, and that goes hand in hand with the psychology. Because, you know, a lot of youth, they go through so many traumatizing situations. You know, mother on drugs. And, and you know, she's selling all the food stamps. She done sold the EBT card. That's traumatizing, man, to be in a household and you don't have nothing to eat. Mm. You have to go out and get it any way you can. That's traumatizing in itself, not knowing where your next meal going to come from. These things, man, that we have to really examine, you know, because like, you know, we said um, homelessness and mental health go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to fix one or try to fix one, you got to make sure you try to fix the other. Because you can't fix a person not being in, you know, put them in the shelter and don't, you know, work on their psyche. That's something that you have to do. The both of those things go hand in hand because now the person just gonna be dependent on the shelter for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. 
you know, or hoping that he can get some type of housing through the system instead of him just going to go out and work and get it. You know, it don't make no sense that a 25 year old is not don't want to go out and work. Mm. And that's that's just go to show you got to examine the state of mind that he's in or she's in, you know, that you don't even want to go out and go out and work. You know, and there's too many jobs out here for you to do. You can just jump on the scooter and work for DoorDash and get some money. That's, it's just that easy. You know, so, you know, we got to examine, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the reason and the psychology of it. Dietrich, you said, and, and uh, this was this was like really uh, astounding. You said the mother said that uh, she wanted to stay to keep the child. I remember reading an article where a person hijacked a car and the baby was in the car. The mother, when the car was taken off, the mother took her fist and bust the window out, grabbed to get her child out of that car. What happened to that where the mother say, have no love for her child? What caused the mother to say, I rather the state to take care of my child than for me to take care of my child? Therefore, furthering the delinquency in our youth. What do you think caused that? Mm. I don't want to speak without knowledge on that, but <laughs> no, but uh, I really think that it's all part of the political, social, uh, legal, environmental, and economic pressure plan, right? It's all part of that. And meaning a lot of these mothers that's getting to the point of these, to the point of no return or get to or feel that it's best for the state to take care of my child or it's best for my child to spend time in prison because he have, uh, I think I need to teach him a lesson and of that nature. Um, I think it's all part of the mental aspect of what brother Mike was saying that it, it becomes, it's this, they don't, we, we, we haven't been taught better. Right. And I don't want to get back into, to go back into the slavery. That's like turn, turning your child over to the slave master, mm. right? And, and you asking the slave master to have mercy on my child. Mm. When did it ever happen in history? Right? So what I mean by it's part of the, by it's part of the big pressure plan, right? If I know I have, if I know if youth homeless exist, right? Why would I want to fix that? I'm gonna get. I, I, that that's 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 something that's gonna be part of the, the ghetto. The, the, that's what the ghetto is about: impoverishment and homelessness. Uh, everything they could be made of, you know. People, so you could be savages and y'all uh, take advantage of each other when you under resources. So why would I want that not to exist and have uh, older people out there in the streets that's home. They dying off. I need youth out there now to further my agenda so I get up there and say, yes, we have this problem that's going on. This 
man, this problem been going on and some of the policies and, and, and the laws that you got further this problem. So it's, it, 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 it just, so it helped. So the mothers get, we, as mothers, as, as mothers, they, we, I can't speak on, on as a mother cause I'm not a mother. I'm a father. Right. Because, and you have all parents. I so I don't want to just put this on, say this is a mother's thing. As a parent, you know, we don't understand the trauma that we could put on our child by saying, I'm going to let him sit in there to teach him a lesson. No, go get him out of there, belly of the beast, because it might destroy him. He might come out of there worse than he went in there. And it might only take an hour. Right? So that I don't I don't know, but I think a lot of that a lot of them decisions come from a lack of education, mm-hmm. a lack of knowledge, a lack of a trust in the, uh, the 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 process, and the lack of uh, self belief in that me as the parent is my I I can get this job done. I don't need the government, you know, I don't need such I could get it up. But we have so much marketing saying, hey, this 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 resource is for you, this program, this for you, but we don't know that we a lot of these resources we're signing away the rights to our kids when we we giving them ownership over our child when we saying they saying they're gonna help them. Because at the end of the day, it's all about having the conveyor built. And y'all know how I feel about the conveyor built. The conveyor built got to go around every day and and America is number one in imprisonment. <laughs> so always having establishments of, of impoverishment neighborhoods and under resource uh, neighborhoods and having part of that uh, social and that economical uh, uh, environmental uh, legal pressure plan on these ghettos. And with these mothers at, with these single parent mothers, when you're telling them that the father can't live in the household if you want to live in this apartment, who else you gonna turn to when she say my ch- my ch- just uh, son just stole the car? She gonna turn to the policeman and say because I need a man to help get him straight. So she gonna think turn to them to help him because she don't have a man due to the plan mm. to help raise these kids and keep them out the streets. Uh, so that's why a lot of the decisions that the mothers do or the parents do make, it comes from a lack of education and a lack of understanding and generational trauma. Yeah, Donnell, in, in your experience, you deal with uh, like an institution that uh, is providing services and resources for homeless youth. Uh, do you, uh, and, and from your own personal experience, do you do you think these the, the methods that's being used overall, not just talking about your place, but in that in the environment where you had these institutions, do you think they're being effective in terms of helping to change the narrative when it comes to juveniles and and homelessness? I, I think it I think it does in a, in a, to a certain aspect of it, and when I, you can present the the solutions to to one's problem. But it's on them to, to pick up the patient and, and try to solve the problem. You know what I'm saying? You know, like like now in my program, we don't let the, we don't let the kids they, they wake them up at ten o'clock and try to get them out and get them some type of activity. 
you know, they got to get out. They got to get up in the morning because they've been laying down all day. And our supervisor just informed us that, you know, whoever was on the ship on the first ship, we got to get them up at 10 o'clock and tell them, you know, try to give them some type of little activity to do throughout the course of the day so they were just laying around, you know, doing nothing. You know, you got quite a few of them. There's two of them in there that works. Got a good job and whatnot, and they're working towards, you know, progressing and getting themselves together so far as with their mental issue and their homelessness. You know what I'm saying? So they, they you know, they've been doing, you know, it's, I, I can say it's working. Yeah, so, you know? and, okay, and Mike, what, what do you think is, uh, just in, you know, if you had to come up with some solutions or a solution to uh, dealing with our children and changing the narrative that we find them in, this, these conditions that we just outlined, what would be something that you would offer? Um, well, I would offer more education on our problem at hand. You know, and I think that that's that's you know, in order for you to come up with any solution, you got you got to be educated. And I believe that we have to start creating more programs that educate us, us as a people, about and pointing out our problems. You know, pointing them out and putting them on the forefront. And then that way you can come up with a solution behind that. Because now, once you know, like Donnell keeps saying, you know. Stop blaming this and blaming that. Okay, now that we know the problem, there ain't no sense to keep blaming something. We need to learn how to, um, you know what I'm saying, start to come up with a solution for it because we know how the problem started and how it exists. So once you learn how the problem started and how the problem exists, then that's when you can start coming up with ways that you can, you know, bring yourself out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, poverty comes from not having money. Okay, well, what, what can I do to get me some money? It's just as simple as that. You know what I'm saying? And that's the main narrative of of when you when you educate a person on what their issues are. You know, we we need to have more advocacy in educating our people and educating our people uh in taking care of themselves and not let the system take care of them. Okay. Because when you start having that form of understanding then you can kind of look at it like, oh, this is what I'm about to step into. I'm about to step into a trap. Just like Dietrich said, you know, a lot of women that put, um, you know, put their um, baby father on child support, you really don't know. You just sold your child to the courts. Because once you put him under that child support, now you got, you didn't, you, you didn't gave the government power over two individuals. You gave him power over your baby father and you gave him but three really power over you and then you gain power over your child because guess what whenever the baby father don't pay his child support now they can put him back in slavery and put him in jail when you are not doing what you're supposed to do guess what the government can come and snatch your child you see what i'm saying and, and these are the things that like once you start educating our people on from this aspect of what, the, what you know, what what the problems that we have, you know, then you can start coming up with a, you know a better a narrative for yourself, and that's my main thing is creating a narrative for yourself and stop allowing the powers that be to create a narrative for you because the powers that be is going to create a narrative that this thing is going to be ongoing and we gonna want to constantly make money so we don't want to come up with a solution hmm. and <laughs> we just want the problem to exist. So we can make money off the problem. See, and that's the thing that, you know, for me, 
that's how I come up with my own solutions to things is to look at, sometimes you just got to look at the negative point of it. And once you learn how to look at the negative point of it, then it's only one side, the negative, and that's positive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's my whole outlook on that. DJ, and as we close, give me a, if you had to offer a solution as you looked at this, what would be your solution for it? Like just I said, education. Donnell give an example of how, as in his own work experience, how they they're becoming more proactive in dealing with the youth in that environment, and and, and trying to encourage them to be more proactive. And your, in, from your point of view, if you had to be give a solution to the juvenile delinquency, what's going on with our youth today and being homeless? First, I take all curriculums out of school, and allow. And let school become a creative workshop. That and meaning right. That's you. We gonna learn English, the basic education, how to count, how to read. Right, but we gonna learn trades. That's gonna be to help you maintain a life. See, one thing, one thing that we are not paying attention to now and today is the past. We're not paying attention to the past. If you read, and I'm not, I don't want to get spiritually and, and go back into the Bible, but all the people in the Bible was carpenters. They people dealt with their hands. We people, they built stuff. We, we got to teach the new the generation skills. We can't keep passing them through the schools and tell them, learn this book, read this book, and they ain't got no skills to go do nothing what, but only the so they gonna they gonna anything skill oh man you know how to shoot a gun yeah he gonna learn them skills but we gotta teach these kids back to teaching them stuff agriculture how to grow your own foods how to build your own land how to how to take care of your people and yourself and your fan and your community if that and that's how why we destroy our community because we don't learn what it is, how to, to build a community, and what it is to, to maintain a community. That's why we destroy it, because we don't understand what it is to build up and start a community. We what, So, and that, that's just me personally. I think them are some of the big solutions that I think that need to be back into, I think, if it would start a restart, because if you know we got some of the most talented kids ever today, they're making the most money. Than any generation ever made before us, right? They they could think they could they they got the best some of the best minds. And you listen to any of them today, they will tell you, "I wish I ain't even had to go to college. I ain't need none of that. All everything I did, I learned this on my own, my mind. I ain't I ain't none of that stuff I went to school for. I'm using today." But I still, so, and I think that's one of the points that I think that we need to get back into allowing people in, in, in teaching hard skills and soft skills, and transferable skills that's going to be something that's going to last them for the rest of their life. Not no geometry or none of that other stuff, crazy other stuff that I'm not going to be using in my life. So that's why I think we got to allow the kids. To, and before I close out, we got to remember we are raising human beings. We are not raising, we are raising human beings. 
So we got to teach them as so. So we got to teach them and make sure they have all the skills that it is to keep the generation, keep stuff going. But that's not being taught in the schools. And that's why we out here running crazy, in my opinion. And I hope I ain't fit nobody. There you have it. Solutions from the yard. Thank you for listening and continue to work towards changing the, our children's mindset to become more productive human beings. You've been listening to Solutions from the Yard. This podcast is presented by Voices for a Second Chance, a comprehensive reentry program that provides culturally appropriate, trauma informed, gender specific, and peer based services. For more information, go to info at vscdc.org or visit our website at www.vscdc.org.